0: We don't have the heat on yet. Yeah, it's kind of cold here, too. I woke up, it was 59 in the house, so I did run the heat for a little while.
1: Yep. I think we uh, agreed that the temperature we both can kind of stand before we feel like we need to intervene is, uh, was it 63?
0: Yeah, I, I in the winter last year, I kept it at 64, actually.
1: 64. Grace and I kind of have, uh, we're sort of daring each other, not to turn the heat on until November 1st, and that's mainly to save uh, to save money. So I'm l- wearing lots of layers and sitting with blankets over me in the office. I've got wool socks and all that good stuff, my fingerless gloves. But we may break down and, and, and turn it on before then.
0: Yeah, I turned it on. I let it run to get the uh, cast iron radiators warm, and then I turned it off, and I'll probably turn it on again you know, in the morning if it's really cold.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, so uh, we've got we've got a uh, uh, guys that were clomping around all over our roof and had scaffolding up. Today's uh, they were repairing our chimneys.
0: Was that like the Jerky Boys bit roofing? Roofing.
1: <laughs> I know I'm not familiar with that. Nah, well,
0: you go on YouTube and look up roofing by the Jerky Boys.
1: Okay, but uh, it was a little scary because I'd look out and there'd be a guy kind of balanced on a board that was stuck between like a window and a piece of scaffolding sort of hanging in midair uh chipping um old mortar out of our our chimneys basically it's they were uh, pointing it there. up
0: as they say
1: yeah and so uh, we're supposed to leave it like it's all now it looks like it's all covered with veins you know all this fresh uh fresh mortar and they said don't paint it until spring to give it a chance to really uh really dry in there right but it it looks uh, kind of atrocious so oh.
0: well don't paint it till spring take two aspirin yep. call
1: me in the spring so what's what's going on with you
0: so um Lots of stuff in the news. I guess I'll mention first that uh, it's been kind of a shitty week for me. Uh, One of my best friends in the world died last Saturday. We knew it was coming. You know, the cancer got really bad in late August. Sorry, man. We knew the – thanks. We knew the – we knew there was only one outcome. You know, there are no miracles. <laughs> if there were miracles, yeah. people with amputated limbs would regrow limbs.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is one of the best arguments I've ever heard, by the way, against miracles. You know, miracles only exist where there's ambiguity. But anyway, my friend Donna was... Um, I, I, on this podcast in the past, I know I've talked about Halloween uh, parties that I've gone to where I went kind of crazy. hmm Coming up with a costume. And part of the joy of coming up with those costumes was to surprise her because she was a great friend of mine.
1: And, uh, very into Halloween.
0: Yeah, well, this was a a fundraising event for her not-for-profit, which was called the Family Nurturing Center. I mentioned that to you, but the Family Nurturing Center in Utica, New York does, like, parental counseling. So, All the parties
1: were fundraisers?
0: Yeah, most of those things that I went to were fundraisers for the Family Nurturing Center. And, you know, it was her goal to make sure every child in the world grew up, you know, um, with the right nurturing parents and stuff like that you know nice yeah. and uh, to avoid dysfunction so that's what her, her thing was all about and you know something she created a few years ago was called Evelyn's House that's named after her mom Evelyn who, who was of course deceased but um, Evelyn's House is a, a shelter for homeless pregnant girls um, it's a former convent at a church apparently nuns don't come with churches anymore now all the convents locally anyway seem to be empty uh huh I guess they're an accessory you have to pay for. They're not standard equipment on the car anymore, the nuns. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, so there's this convent. It's actually the church my parents still go to and where I used to go when I was forced to go to church. And anyway, the, the convent's been empty for a while. So Donna, you know, Donna. one of the things that she used to say was, I believe in possibilities. And she believed right, in the right. possibility of turning that into a, uh, a, a shelter for people who need help. And that's really cool it's got, uh, I,
1: I love that kind of local initiative thing well
0: that's, that's... what she did and, and, and I'm not just saying this because she died and she was a great friend of mine but we have wanted to have her on the podcast for years but we never did
1: mm. yeah
0: after I got dumped by my fiance um, Donna was gonna come on and talk about closure and like what closure is and how you get it because I don't believe anybody ever gets closure we still suffer from the wounds of people that died Childhood years even. ago yeah You know, you you don't ever really get over this stuff, you know. And uh, so we never had her on, and now I'd like to have her on to talk about closure again, except the closure is about her death. (laughs) But, um, um... yeah, uh, so that's so called she, bitterly ironic. Yeah, yeah. So she did this um this uh shelter for homeless pregnant girls and it's in this convent and when it was done, you know, she got all kinds of donations of money and goods and services and they basically turned it into a nice little mini apartment complex, you know, with Wi Fi and so they can go to school and do their homework and computers and you know, oh, there's a kitchen, cool. of course. Cool. And um I, of course, had never been in there before, but I always did want to know what the inside of a convent looked like. So when they were done remodeling it for its repurposed shelter role, I uh, kind of like at its grand opening, I went and she gave me a tour. And the convent is actually shaped like an L. So it's, it's on a right angle. You know, there's two long corridors and a right angle between them and i just remember on in each of the corridors there was this gigantic clock hanging from the ceiling you know like this two foot diameter analog clock and i always used to just joke with her and say i don't know about this god of yours donna but he must be a relentless taskmaster to <laughs> to have two gigantic clocks in a convent you know <laughs> but um but anyway yeah so her wake was actually uh was it yesterday or the day before but um you know i went we got to share stories and uh you know all of her friends that I really didn't know that well knew me pretty well because apparently she used to talk about me a lot so apparently mm. I was
1: just uh, not that strange when of, that happens thought <laughs> of highly by a, her you know a little bit of a disadvantage like uh, they know all about you and nothing about them
0: well it was kind of fun to hear what Donna used to say about me because <laughs> mm. now if she says something mean I can still hold it against her but uh, <laughs> Definitely. You know, yeah but so what else is going on uh, Lance Armstrong is in the news the USADA uh, yeah. came out with their big 11 million page report and uh,
1: yeah it doesn't it doesn't look so good for his uh, reputation no matter what he well uh, i, I mean i, I have the same question i've always had uh, are <laughs> we've been led to be led to believe these
0: tests are infallible and despite the fact that he may not have been tested as many times as he, he and his lawyers have claimed over the years i've been tested 600 times you know they they broke right, that down right. and apparently it's not that high but he was tested clearly and mm-hmm. do these tests find dopers or don't they? And if they do find dopers, could there be some collusion between some of these agencies? Like one, once Lance was like too big to fail, if you will, they didn't want to bring him down because like the whole cycling world would collapse. I mean, sure. did they look yeah, the other I way? Think,
1: how, how, how politicized is it exactly? I think that's a good question.
0: I mean, if he was doping as much as they talk about. And the article talked about every kind of doping there is, EPO, actual blood doping where you take your blood out, you centrifuge it, you concentrate the red blood cells, you put it back in. You know, every drug there was to cortisone. They 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 made up stories about him having saddle sore so he could yeah. legally have cortisone in his blood. And then they but had they some doctor
1: backdated prescription, backdated prescription to cover. I mean, for that. Yeah.
0: you know, yeah. it's just it's a huge, giant shit sandwich to quote uh, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> and now now all the cycling fans and people who followed him because they were cancer survivors got to take a bite, you know. But, yeah, I still ask the question out loud. I mean, are these tests yeah. infallible or are they completely fallible and that easy to fool? I mean, come on,
1: you know. When everyone's colluding and no one really wants to out him because, like you say, he's become such a hero for so many people. It's just, to me, it kind of illustrates the risk of thinking that your hero in one thing should ever be considered heroic in, like, everything else. Like, you know, say you really admire a guitar player. He's a fantastic guitar player. That doesn't mean he's not a shitty person who beats sure. his wife or whatever. Right,
0: yeah. yeah. And, and Lord, Lord knows there's plenty of baseball players that I liked who uh, were tax cheats and did end up getting some um, domestic dispute arrests and stuff like that so So
1: you should admire that person for their for their famous strength and not assume that they're gonna be really worthy of being like a all-around hero well
0: here's my final thought on lance is the only reason i can think of why he wouldn't have uh come out by now is because he's so loyal to johan bruniel his coach and friend of so many years because bruniel is contesting the
1: charges so is he the one person who's who's now denying it who knew well no there's a a couple lot of... of
0: the doctors too that were involved that are um, okay. denying it along with Bruniel. There's I think two doctors, so there's three people that are that are contesting it. So I- I'm thinking Lance just doesn't want to come out with it because he doesn't want to throw Br- Bruniel under the bus in case there's any
1: chance that he can you know be cleared or something. But maybe just it seems with all his more. ex, all his teammates implicating themselves, basically admitting admitting that they were complicit in this and they shut up or whatever with him yeah and these are all
0: legit guys these aren't you know guys who are on the team for two months and have no real credibility these are guys who are in the olympics the real deal levi leipheimer christian vandeveld george hincapie these are big big names um one other thing i wanted to mention before we go into two number one we forgot to mention last week was the the first presidential debate the one where uh Obama got his ass kicked. Uh, I just wanted to yeah, say... Yeah, people look, are
1: still chewing that over a lot. Yeah, like and, and he
0: does seem to have gotten a post-debate bump, Mr. Romney Shambles. But one thing I wanted to mention was how they're not allowing the audience to react in any way, except in the very beginning when they're introduced and the very end
1: when their outro is going down, you know? Um, I thought that was a, that was a good point. And you were hypothesizing maybe because there's no opportunity for, like, applause or audience reaction. It was, like... Demotivating to the candidates, something well, like that. Well, and even that.
0: if it's not demotivating to the candidates, it's demotivating to me. I've been around. I've been in a to lot viewer, of. Yeah, I've yeah. been in a lot of hospital rooms in the past six weeks where they were playing morbid music, and you know, it felt like. You know, and I have given my friend all these great CDs that are cheerful, beautiful, yet uplifting. You know, so I was just wondering why mm-hmm. they were playing all this music that already made it sound like my friend Donna was dead. But <sighs> I mean, I you know, just see hearing no reaction to them when they say something clever or slightly clever just made the room sound
1: like it was a freaking morgue I mean that's true I mean, it's okay, kind of like maybe, a, stand up, a stand up who's who's bombing even yeah, when you think crickets. they're succeeding
0: I mean yeah. okay fine they don't have to whoop whoop and holler it up after every single line but even if we hear a little murmur <laughs> from the crowd when a good hammering line gets dropped or something give me something right, right. so it'll be in, you know the vice presidential debate is today uh, so we'll have to talk about that next week of course and, unless we can time shift we don't have a TARDIS yet but in the future we may so keep yeah that in i was mind. thinking
1: it's not that long from now and so it's a little bit of a shame that the timing won't work out we well it'll be able interesting to see if it. they
0: let them react maybe they got some feedback from people like us saying come on you got to let the audience participate a little so i do
1: think even if they don't do it for this debate probably that's um, maybe that's the terms of the the rules of the debate engagement will probably be different next time because of this
0: Yeah, I I just need something. I just need to know there's some living, breathing people in the audience. That's all I ask, (laughs) you know? Anyway, you want to jump into tune number one?
1: Let's play tune number one. All
0: right, let's check it out. Some hot bluegrass from uh, a band out of Durango, Colorado called The Badly Bent.
1: When I read the title to that, I thought, oh, this is going to be – Dumb, but it was so the way they performed it was so much fun that I really, I, I really liked it.
0: So. Yeah, that one was called Grandfather's Clock.
1: There's a my favorite version of that song is a Smothers Brothers parody. Did, it, look that up if you haven't, it's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've seen that, but that was their arrangement of that work, which was originally written by Henry Clay Work. Uh, apparently, he lived from 1832 to 1884. But you know what? Yesterday, when I was really bummed out, um, uh, I played a few tunes, and the tunes that made me happy, which we hadn't played on the show before, I decided mm-hmm. to play on the show today, and that was one of them. And they have a cool. new record out, so I'm going to con- I'm going to reach out to them and uh, see if we can't uh, get some of those tunes as well. Yep, nicely recorded. Um, yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, so what do we got? I guess we got another sort of. Um, Light-hearted topic this week because I suppose next week, you know, uh, we'll be able to talk about the vice presidential debate and the election will be less than a month away. So it'll be, you know, balls out, as they say in the steam engine business. So, um... Yeah, we know. are running down the track. Yeah. So we'll... uh We'll have plenty to talk about, but uh, plus, for lack of uh, something really interesting to us, we we defaulted to another top five list, and it's something that we were working on last week too. With the other top five list, we were just debating in in what order to do them. But I got this idea from watching BBC America. There's a little chat show called the Graham Norton Show, and Graham Norton was talking about a radio show that he was listening to in England, where people were. W- the topic of the show was like. List or admit to various mundane things that uh, you haven't done, like that the rest of the world, you know, does do, like on a daily basis. Like, for example, one person called up and said, I've never cooked a meal. I eat fast food every day. And to me, that's really foreign because I cook every day, literally. Yeah. At least two of the that's meals. That's
1: awful. It's probably uh, unfortunately incredibly common, but uh, it makes me cringe.
0: Yeah, I suspect it is. So these are kind of top five, you know, sort of mundane things that. And I don't know. Paul said he might have approached it from a little bit different angle than me, but we'll see. So I guess I'll go first. Um,
1: go, go ahead. Yeah, I do have, I do have uh, five, but then I kind of veered off into. Things that I used to do but haven't done for a long, long time. So maybe we can continue with that if there's a little extra time.
0: Yeah. Uh, And this one is sort of in the spirit of the British. Uh, I have never seen or read any of the Harry Potter books or movies. Really, that's sort of the modern equivalent of the people who say, "I've never seen Star Wars." You know, and my parents have never seen Star Wars, but you know, most people have seen Star Wars. But I have never read or seen uh, the Harry Any Potter. Of them. None of them. Wow, because
1: uh, a couple of the movies are are quite good. They're not all great. Well, I they're will. All, they're all passable. I will get but around they're quite to good. It. Uh, the first book is quite good. I've read all the books. They kind of. Drop off, I think, in quality and editing and whatnot. But they're all, you know, I'm not going to say that it absolutely is going to be like this huge classic that people will be talking about in 50 years, but it is, it's, it's quite good, good material. But
0: I, I do know what the word muggle means. Someone did tell okay. me that. So, so what do you okay. got?
1: Uh, I have never gambled. Not you like in a casino? In a casino, in a poker game, in pretty much i you know maybe when i was like a kid or something and in junior high i might have gambled for a quarter or something but i don't remember ever ever gambling and the one time i did go to las vegas for a long weekend i didn't even so much as put a coin in a slot machine wow so i've definitely
0: gambled a few times at the local casino not much though and i um i have uh, gambled at like uh stag parties uh some pickup blackjack games at stag parties and stuff like that but not a lot not a lot not not nearly as you know often as some people i know
1: um, i think that just somehow that came from my mother and grandmother both had this uh not like moralistic just very pragmatic like that's just a stupid thing to do so yeah. somehow i absorbed that at a young age
0: but, you're a quaker um Deep number town, two, yeah. I have never gotten a traffic ticket or had a moving violation points on my license of any kind. Really? Really.
1: Wow. I mean I haven't I won't say I have I've had a lot, but I, I have had mm, two or three speeding tickets over the many years, you know. Never never had one. Wow, that's interesting. Uh have been ha- pulled about, over, ha- but never have you been ever been, been in an accident? How about that?
0: Uh not as a driver, as a passenger.
1: As a passenger. Insurance companies
0: should fucking love me, but they still charge me lots of money to insure yeah. a Saturn, you know?
1: Yeah. I've never been in a severe accident. I've been in, I think, two uh, or three, uh, two minor accidents as a driver, and um, uh, one was completely not my fault, and one as a passenger that was required the pretty heavy duty repair well actually car, i'll ask you
0: um does this is this does this qualify as an accident i was in a parking space at a grocery store the motor was not on i was in park and some old man hit me
1: <laughs> no not really <laughs> okay i just cuz
0: that did happen i was in my parents yeah. car i was whatever late teens or something yeah. and uh i got hit
1: uh i got just just last uh summer i was driving along bay and a guy backed very abruptly out of a uh, a driveway across, right across two lanes of traffic, and plowed into the the back quarter. It was actually it was two summers ago of uh, our minivan, and just caved it in. And I was like, <laughs> it was it was a bit of a shock. There was absolutely wow. nothing I could do to react. Cool. Fast enough to avoid it, but or not? cool, anyway, rather? <laughs> yeah, but I have had a few t- a, a few speeding tickets. Never anything uh, really severe. Like right, a hundred and twenty and a thirty. Who are you kidding? No. So what do you got? Um, I've never, so this is actually car related too. I've never driven a stick. Oh, okay. I um, own a stick. So I, <laughs> I, I, I have, did. it's not precisely true. Like when I was learning way back before I had my license, I practiced a little bit on a stick, but I've never liked enough to learn how to do it, to not stall it out immediately. So, wow. Well, now that one surprises me a little but at the same time yeah i'm forty five but I've never owned like I've never owned a car or had primary access to a car that was a stick. so just the majority
0: never really... of the cars I've owned have been stick so
1: yeah Grace is the same way she really prefers it, but at this point it's like why would I bother <laughs> okay,
0: here's another one that I think will surprise you probably and some of our our listeners considering my history of working for rock bands uh-huh. I have never smoked anything in my life, including pot. Really? Really. And I do not have even, an asterisk not, on this one, which I will ask you like the car accident one. But um, Not
1: tobacco at all? No. Not, not even and, to and, try uh, it?
0: I've, I've had pot brownies, but I don't okay. smoke pot because I hate smoke. Smoke makes because me cough. You hate it smoking, gives me headaches. Yeah. Um, there was some very rude people in my house when I was a young who, when I asked them not to smoke because I was getting headaches from it, basically were like, fuck you, kid. I'll smoke if I want to, even if it's your uh, parents' house, yeah. if your parents said yes. So I've always thought smokers were rude and needed rude, to be killed. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I will say this. Um, when I was five okay. years old or something like that, my brother Al was smoking Tiparillo cigars and you know, with the little plastic tips. Uh And he gave me one and said, inhale. So I don't count that as smoking because it wasn't my choice. But what it did do was turn me off smoke. And I think I've told this story before. It turned me off smoking for the rest of my life. So my brother Al did me the biggest. You don't want to
1: inhale cigars in any case. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and he did me the biggest favor in the history of any favor that anybody's ever done for me because I have been turned off smoking since then
1: interesting uh, i have i have uh had like uh i've been at parties and and like they call it chipping on uh tobacco cigarettes a few times it does make me cough but i i do i have to admit that that i do like a nicotine buzz just a little i'm saying i've done this you know two or three times but um years ago but i don't smoke tobacco or use any kind of tobacco i have smoked pot but again It's never something that I really got into. My reaction to smoking pot was typically to then, like, go to sleep for 24 hours, and uh, it wasn't really fun to me, so there it is. Yeah, what do you got? I have never been to a basketball game or football game at any level, grade school, high school, college, or professional. Wow, you're a nerd. I am a nerd. I have been to a baseball game. I've been to, I saw the Cubs play when I was a kid, and I saw a game at Dodger Stadium when I was a teenager. Well, I like have been 19.
0: to uh, Shea Stadium. I haven't been to the new stadium. I have been to the stadium in Cooperstown, New York, where they do the Hall of Fame game. Um, I have been to Syracuse University to see football. I've never gone there to see basketball. We used to have a single-A baseball pro team in our hometown, the Utica Blue Jays later to become the Utica Blue Sox. We used to have many levels of pro hockey in town, including um, AHL, which is right below the NHL.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: I've been to high school basketball. I've never been to a high school football game but college. Yeah, so i pretty much done all the sports. I've been to curling yeah. games. And uh, what other weird? So I've gone to a polo match once. Um, I don't know. I'm sure if I thought longer and harder about it, I could come up with some more. But um, let's see. What else do I have here? Uh, Oh, here's another movie one. I have never seen Gone with the Wind.
1: Never seen Gone with the Wind. Chick flick.
0: Not doing
1: it. It is a bit of a chick flick. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's memorable because of all the snarky lines and whatnot and the famous scenes.
0: The I don't give a dam's and
1: yeah, I don't know that I'd say it's really such a great movie.
0: Well, they did an amazing restoration on it like five or six years ago, and they really fixed it. And um, I do want to see it just because of the restoration.
1: So, to look at like a classic film that's gorgeous on a big screen. Uh, I would say see if you can catch like a 70 millimeter uh, restored print showing of uh, Lawrence of Arabia.
0: Right, yeah. And I still haven't seen 2001 on the big screen yet. I'm definitely going go oh, to go
1: to- Oh, that's impressive I as I got to go to one yeah. of those revivals as well. So um, your turn. Uh, I have never killed an animal. Mm. And I, this I is relevant either. because Grace and I keep talking about, okay, if we're going to have our- Whole like uh, domestic pot's house farm going here, and raise chickens. Are we gonna slaughter them and then? What about or, fish?
0: Have you ever gone fishing and, and killed? I have. Fish?
1: Got, that's true. I have. I have gone fishing a few okay, times. Okay, because that's
0: the only one that I can lay claim to as well. Except for that guy I who pissed me off that I killed once, but.
1: Oh right. The guy in, in Reno you shot just to watch him die. Just to
0: watch him die, exactly. Um yeah. well yeah, I've never really killed anything either like a deer or a chicken or a turkey. I, I um I could though, you know. I mean if I became like you you were talking about and my friend Lisa is doing, you know, doing the um back right. to nature, um self reliance thing.
1: Yeah, it does seem hypocritical. I mean, I know you're a vegetarian. At least mostly, but I'm not really these days, uh, and so like I do feel like a bit of a hypocrite. Like, if I had to, would I stop eating meat, or would I buckle down and do it and say this is what I believe in? But I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, see.
0: well, my friend Lisa has her hens, and when they no longer produce eggs, she kills them and eats them because they're organic, free-range chickens. Yeah. So uh my number 5 and this is one I kind of did as a joke. Right. I have never this is my elitist uh thing coming out. I have never eaten foie gras or caviar.
1: <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I I've never I've never had foie gras. It's actually really hard to get these days and pricey. Uh Well,
0: it's always been pricey, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. But I, I have had uh, I have had caviar. It's definitely an acquired taste. It's super, super salty and yeah. fishy. I kind of like some of it. But uh, they, that was the kind of thing they uh, – some relatives on one side of my family would have fancy parties and they'd have caviar. And when I'd be like a 10-year-old kid there, I'd like taste everything and then be, what the hell is this? <laughs> uh, you used to say what Jack said in the movie
0: Titanic. Never did like caviar much.
1: Mm. well I'm thinking more like did you ever see the movie Big with Tom Hanks
0: yeah I haven't seen that one in a while though
1: he puts a, a cracker with caviar in his mouth and bites down on and then he's literally like scraping it off his tongue <laughs> <laughs> which is not what he did
0: in the movie you've got mail when he went to the party and he encountered that woman who owned the little bookstore he was stealing all the caviar garnish for himself off of the dish and oh, that's she was funny. she was very upset about that what's her name uh, meg ryan was I, I, that's just a caviar. I, I, I
1: never saw that one but oh okay. it's uh, but a cute no, film okay. but. Caviar is is good stuff, but definitely an acquired taste. So, so what is your number five? Uh, do I have, did I not have five? I kind of lost count here. Uh, I'm going to, uh, oh, I think number five was going to be, there's a lot of places I've never been. I've been to quite a few places, it seems, but I've never been to um, Florida. I've never been to Texas. I've never been to New York City. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. And I've never been to Europe. Well, I've never been so, to Europe, and um, my wife thinks that's just unspeakable. Like, how could I consider myself to be a civilized adult never having been to Europe? But that's that's more like a class thing, it seems. Yeah,
0: you know? it, it does. And I have a reply for your wife, but since I'm being polite, <laughs> I won't say it. Uh, I do have a number six, and it is in the last ten years, I have not knowingly ingested gluten once.
1: Gluten. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one. Well, so I'm, this is—I'm a celiac, you know, so it would hurt me. But you—you've—you've uh, you've not even done a tiny bit
0: knowingly. No, no. I mean, oh, like cheated, like gone to a party and said one cookie won't hurt me. Yeah. No. Hell no. Well, you 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 have to understand how sick I was. How sick you get. Yeah. I never well, that's, ever, that's ever 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 want to feel like that again.
1: That's good. That's impressive. Well, so that that actually that maybe that. Kind of leads into sort of a, a free, a quick like a quick free for all on um, things that we used to do but don't do anymore. Well, and I've got a. a let bunch me just of stop
0: those. you, and we can do that. But I will say this: I'm I'm bad with holding grudges. Uh-huh. So, which is a bad thing. It's a toxic thing to hold grudges because, as my friend Donna used to say, that's like taking poison yourself and expecting the other person Some, to die, someone
1: else to die. Yeah, and
0: yeah. Uh, but I'm holding a, gludge, a grudge against gluten like you wouldn't believe. So this <laughs> is like I have a friend who's very much like my friend Donna who said, "Well, that is actually the only time I've ever heard a grudge being used in a positive way, in a productive <laughs> way." Yeah, that's
1: funny. So
0: things that you used to do that you don't do anymore.
1: Yeah. Such as? uh, I'll I'll rattle off a few. I have not been in a Walmart in maybe 20 years. I've not been in a McDonald's in maybe 20 years. Same. I haven't um, watched broadcast TV or had cable TV for uh, at least 12 years. I cannot admit to that. So... You got any things – well, gluten was something you used to do, well, but anything I else mean, that since, you don't do anymore?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I, I I can't say that I've actually never been in a Walmart because somebody gave me a Walmart gift card a few years ago and uh-huh. – I probably should have given it to charity, but what I did do with it, it was like 10 bucks. What I did Uh with it was I went and I bought cat litter because I thought, you know, how it it would have either have been toilet paper or cat litter. Because how better to celebrate the (laughs) shittiness of Walmart than to buy supplies (laughs) that help you dispose of shit. (laughs) <laughs>
1: something like
0: that I mean seriously I that's what I did and um, but okay. all the big box yeah. stores nah I avoid them like the plague and I, I think I've said this on the podcast before but we have those commercial centers with all the big box stores the Walmart is the anchor store yeah, and you've got your, yeah. uh, your, your, all of
1: these are, are designed to suck money out of your local community and send well, it somewhere and else and my friend and
0: Oren who runs uh, the Cafe Dominico which is a meeting place for all of the uh, the elitists as the Republicans would call them and by that they mean right. knowledgeable uh, people with opposing Hippies. opinions
1: hippie punching my yeah.
0: friend Oren refers to th- and I think you've heard me say this before but he refers to those co- commerce centers as an occupation. Occupying army that is there to be resisted at all costs, and he means it. I mean, he he describes what they do and what they're trying to do as the corporate death culture that we're exporting to everywhere else in the world, and that's going to kill everyone. You know, Mm, and I agree with him. Those are strong words, but I agree with him. Yeah, but I mean, I'm trying to trying to think of something that uh you know yeah i don't eat fast food a i don't eat meat b i can't have any of those hamburger rolls everything
1: has gluten in it yeah yeah,
0: i i think i i mean there are a few pizzerias you know but that's at least locally owned you know it is fast food but you know i go to the locally owned pizzerias because there's a couple of them that do you know some gluten-free pies but um there's there's a lot of things that uh you know, I used to do that, I don't do. But here's another one that might surprise people. Uh, as a computer guy who grew up in the 80s during the 8 bit revolution, I was never really a game guy. Um, I of never any kind went or just, uh, just or just arcade games. Well, I never went to the arcades to feed quarters into those machines because you know we were working class and didn't have a lot of money. And we yeah, did have the Magnavox yeah. Odyssey two, the home uh, unit. Uh-huh. We had the Odyssey one in the early seventies too, <laughs> which was a, a, a funny little thing. Wow. But yeah. you know, I just see these people sitting around and playing these Call of Duty games now for hours at a time, and I think you know, I think of them the exact same way I think of these fucking people who do nothing but stare at their cell phones. There's Zombies, right. they're zombies, right. and you know, go read a book, do something productive, do something constructive, please. Turn off the fucking yeah. war game. Uh, I used to play a mad. lot,
1: but mostly when I was quite a bit younger, like high school age, I played all the Infocom games into the ground, and yeah, I have I did played a little bit of those. arcade games. Like I, I've played, I, I did play Pac Man and whatnot at the arcade, and then in later adult life, I played like the Ultima games, and I played. Doom and Quake a little bit, but at some point I really just kind of lost my taste for it. I do have to say I really, I still will get a lot of enjoyment out of, like, the Nintendo franchise with uh, Paper Mario and stuff like that, and I played some of the, some of those games, and I've, like, played them all the way through to the end, but I, honestly, I haven't had, since becoming a parent and all that, I haven't had much time to put in that sort of thing for years and years when grace first met me i was having like a a marathon uh, oh with um a game called uh, oh god not mario country but it was um oh uh donkey kong 3d or for, for one of the donkey kong games for the for the n64 and there was a boss in there i was trying to beat called the it was a giant a uh, duck in a in a jack in the box thing and beating it it was a really challenging boss and um i did this i finally beat it one morning while she and isaac were over and they were all they were very excited about that but then shortly after that i sort of all dropped off yeah
0: I used to uh, have a soft spot for a little missile command in Tempest, but when it started eating up all of my meager allowance, I just said enough. (laughs) I'd rather put this into buying D and D dice and and you know do something that's. Oh,
1: you were that kind of a gamer, yeah. Not
0: that much, but you know, at least if you played D and D, you could buy a set of dice for ten or twenty bucks and get a weekend's worth of enjoyment out of it, as opposed to a ten or twenty dollars, which you could put away in an arcade in an hour.
1: Yeah, um, and you would you would. And also, you'd be using uh, your imagination to to come up with the dungeons if you were a DM. Yeah, exactly. So uh,
0: you want to jump into tune number two?
1: Let's jump into tune number two.
0: All right, let's check it out. was uh, a really sweet tune that was called birth slash nascence n-a-i-s-s-a-n-c-e by uh a Really great French Canadian guitarist named Antoine Dufour. We've played him before. Um, he does these duets with that violinist Tom uh, Tommy Gautier who's got unbelievable phrasing. I mean, that guy is the real deal. They're both world class, I think. And yeah, very um, nice. Very you know, nice. Dufour is one of these new acoustic guys who does a lot of that tapping stuff. And at times that bores me because it lacks melody.
1: You know, there's a lot of tapping percussion. And f- all kinds of fingering and slapping the strings and, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's very
0: percussive and there's some rhythm accompaniment but it's it sometimes lacks melody but when you add that violin um mm-hmm. it just brings a lot of magic to it and uh th- those guys are just spectacular when they're together and and Dufour's cd um which i thought i had in front of me i can't seem to find it at the moment but his cd um i was re-listening to it again to to kind of sample some tracks off of it to find some stuff that we could play. And um, there's a ton of really good stuff on there that isn't a duet as well. He does uh, manage to find a lot of melody in his style as well, but he's just good beyond good. He's just really, really good.
1: It sounded to me like it was really nicely – another album that was really nicely recorded as well, and I know that's a big – part of uh, what you get out of, of records is just how nicely recorded they are and mixed and all that. Yeah, they're on a, a
0: label called Candy Rat Records, and years ago I approached them and said, geez, we'd love to play some of your stuff, and he sent me like a dozen CDs of all his artists, so in um, I've relocated some of them, but I'm still locating others, so I mean, cool. there are literally hours of things we could play from Candy Rat, um, so we'll get around to playing some more in the future, but uh, I know you wanted to talk yeah. briefly about uh, the, you have some of those the books strong left, right?
1: Towns. yeah i have some books left uh in in the previous uh episode we talked about uh this strong towns talk that i went to given by this guy named charles l marone um part of the strong i think it's strongtowns.org. yes and uh i, I offered that. i offered to uh to send books to the first few people who uh would uh would send us some feedback, and uh, we still have some left. So, if you would like a, a book called "Thoughts on Building Strong Towns, Volume One," which is a series of essays on uh, on this sort of new urbanism, uh, send uh, send a, your address, your your paper mail address. And I'm not going to send them internationally, but anywhere I, I was in gonna the say U.S. That. <laughs> Continental so, U.S.
0: only, please.
1: Yeah, I don't want to spend thirty five dollars on shipping to mail a. a a book. But if you um,
0: PayPal him some money, he will be happy to.
1: Sure. But uh, so, yeah, send us uh, your address to feedback at bloodyveg.com or leave it on our voicemail.
0: So I guess that's a show, man. What do you think?
1: I think that's a show.
0: Awesome. This is uh, Rich Wilgus in scenic New York Mills, New York.
1: And I am Paul Potts in Saginaw, Michigan.
0: Check us out on the web www.bloodyveg.com. Uh, I just gave the address.
1: Tell us tell us the voice the voicemail
0: number. Paul just gave you the address, so he doesn't want to say feedback at bloodyveg.com. Again. I know. Leave us some voicemail, 206-376-0397. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye. Bye-bye.